today we do want to continue in the book of Acts. We're continuing in this series within the series. And, and this is Breaking Down Prejudice Part 3. Breaking Down Prejudice Part 3. And today we want to focus our attention on the Gentile Pentecost. <laughs> the Gentile Pentecost. Uh, that is going to be the thought for this passage. I want you to look with me in verses 24 through 33. However, we're going to go in this message at the Lord tarries and he allows as it is, as the Holy Spirit has helped me to prepare, we're going to go through verse 48. But for our reading, we're going to read verses 24 through 33. And while you're turning there, again, we're in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. Chapter 10 of the book of Acts. And while you're turning there, I just, you know, there are a lot of reasons as to why we don't share the gospel more than we do. And I know I'm talking to Christian folks. Uh, for the most part, there may be a few here who don't know the Lord is their Savior. Well, I, I'll talk to you in just a few moments. But one of the popular reasons today as to why we are not sharing the gospel more than what we are is due to the COVID-19. Of course, if we're staying at home and we're not around other people and we're not going to other places, it makes it kind of difficult for us to share the gospel with lost folks. But that doesn't remove our responsibility to share the gospel. Uh, another reason we may use would be our lack of being able to identify with the different cultures that are all around us. You know, there are many cultures that are right around us according to how it's defined by the world. We have the white, black, native, the Latinx, the Asian, the LGBTQ, if that's all of those letters, I don't know. We have all of those different cultures around us. But there are more cultures around us. There are those of wealthy, poor, middle class. There are those who relate to young people and those who don't. Those who relate to the culture of our senior adults and those who don't. And when we think about all of these different cultures, and they are, because if you don't fit in one, when you realize that you're either in another one or you come in contact with someone who's part of a different one of what we just uh, mentioned, we find that there are a lot of differences. And in these differences, they, they can sometimes make us uncomfortable. But I want to remind us today that there is something common to every culture mentioned. And that is the need for a savior. That's universal. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you've been, where you're headed. It doesn't matter how tall or how short you are. It doesn't matter how dark or how light your skin tone is. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you come from and what neighborhood you plan to go to. It doesn't matter what country you've come from or what country you're living in today. We all have a need for Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
what is common to every culture in America and in the world today is that if we leave this world without knowing Jesus as our personal savior, hell will be our home. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no in-betweens. There's no ins or outs. That's exactly how it is because God's word tells us this. So as we're looking in this text, we want to notice the revelation, not revelation, but the, the revelation that Peter comes in contact with. The Bible tells us in verses 24 through 33, And the following day, they encountered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And he talked with him. He went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I come without objection. As soon as I I came without objection, as soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard. Your alms have, are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, your power and strength. We thank you for your love and affection that you have for us. We thank you, God, for these who are here who are committed to fellowshipping together, God, regardless of the restraints. God, we, we've come to worship you, and God, we just give you praise and glory and honor for it all. God, we ask that you would take these broken words of your servant Take the meditation upon our heart, God, and and use it for your glory. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts in a way that would not only convict us of our sin, but God, encourage us to to go out and do what you would have us to do. And God, if there's any here who doesn't know you through the forgiveness of your son, we pray, God, that today would be the day that they cry out, what must I do to be saved? For God, we know if they call upon the name of the Lord, you're faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. For God, we know that you're faithful. Help us, God. Help us, God, to be your servants and to be as faithful as you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last time... We looked in verses 9 through 23 and we noticed the visions of Peter. 
We notice the visions that he experienced. And in these visions, Peter became confused. Seeing what was presented before him, he saw what looked like a sheet descending from heaven, bound by the four corners. And as the sheet reached the ground and opened up, it appeared that there were animals of all kinds coming out of the sheet. Peter was instructed by a voice to kill and eat. <laughs> you know, had that have been said among us, you know, we have hunters in this in, in our church. If you would have, if that would have been said to Brother Brian or Brother Thomas or Brother Nick or to Greg, uh, they would have been fine. They'd have felt right at home, and they they would have been ready to to shoot whatever animal they 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 saw. But to a Jewish man who had all his life been instructed to and obeyed the dietary laws of Moses, Peter felt conflicted. As a matter of fact, he refused to do what was commanded. Instead, he stated that I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And before Peter could get a full understanding of what his vision meant, he encountered the Gentile visitors sent by Cornelius. Now Peter was instructed by the Holy Spirit to go with these men doubting nothing. And so Peter invited the men in to spend the night with him. And on the next morning, he gathered some of his Jewish brethren and they joined these men leaving Joppa to make their way to Caesarea. And as Peter reaches Caesarea, he finds that Cornelius was ready to receive the word of God. Now, I don't know how you read this passage, but I sense there's some expectancy. There's some excitement. There's some anticipation here on the part of Cornelius. It appears that he was confident that his servants would be back soon. And not only would they come back, but they would come back with the apostle Peter with them. Cornelius was so confident that they would come back and bring Peter with them that he invited his relatives and his close friends to be there when Peter arrived. Now, I'm not sure what you really see in this, but what I see is Cornelius didn't, wasn't just concerned about what he was missing in his worship of the Lord, but it appears he understood that if he was missing something in worshiping God, then certainly his relatives and his friends were missing something also. And the message that Peter was bringing to him to clarify things, he wanted there to be no mistake among his relatives and among his close friends. He wanted them to make sure sure they understood the same message that he understood. Folks, I want us to get this. It wasn't Michael Jordan and it wasn't Dr. J coming to make a visit. It wasn't Terry Bradshaw and it wasn't Roger Staubach coming to make a visit. It wasn't 
Chipper Jones nor Freddie Freeman coming to make a visit. Instead, it wasn't a sports hero coming to encourage them that if they would just dream it and believe it, that they could accomplish it. It wasn't a preacher who was going to sugarcoat things and tell them that if they just thought good thoughts, then all things are possible. That's not the message that was coming. Instead, there was a fisherman, a poor, lowly fisherman from Galilee who was coming to share. He wasn't coming to tickle their ears, but he was coming to share a message of life and death. It meant that a message was coming to tell them how they could have life and eternal life. I want to let us know to Cornelius, he was anxious of getting the greatest message that anyone could ever hear. He had his family and he had his friends there to hear this message. He was expecting something great to take place in his home that day. How many of us came here today expecting something great to take place? I'm talking about expecting to hear the word of God and God speak to you through his word. You want me to tell you what the mystery of preaching is? That I could preach this message. I could shake every hand I won't do it today. But if I did, you could tell me what you got out of the message. And every message would be completely different. It would even be different from the message that I preach. That's the, that's the mystery of preaching. What that is, is God speaking to your heart. The question is, are you excited? Are you excited about hearing the message God has for you? Are you excited, so excited that you want your friends and your relatives to hear the same message? Ooh. Peter wasn't coming to, sh- he was coming to share Jesus Christ. As he had said in Acts 4, 12, He knew that there was no salvation in any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter understood the apostle Paul and was able to say exactly as Paul said in Romans 1 and 18, that I am not ashamed of the gospel. He knew that the gospel was the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew or the Gentile alike. So how much... Do we really and truly want our relatives and close friends who are not saved to hear the message of Jesus Christ? Now, listen, I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) I get that. For the most part, for the most part, you're here. Some of you here, you may have children who are lost and they're here. Some of you here may have spouses that are lost and they're here. So I, I understand who I'm preaching to. I understand that some of you have invited your relatives and your friends time and time again. I also understand that right now many people just aren't comfortable with coming to church. But my question is, what lengths are we going to right now to reach the lost? Now listen, this slapped me before I said a word to you. People are still dying every day. This pandemic has not slowed death down. As a matter of fact, some would even say that it has sped death up for certain ones. So who are we sharing the gospel with? 
Who do you need to share the gospel with? Who do I need to share the gospel with? That becomes the question for all of us. So let's be honest with ourselves. How hard are we crying out to God on behalf of the names that are on this board? Those that we're supposed to be praying for and even those who we're celebrating. How hard are we crying out to God? Listen, don't get me wrong. I know some of you are crying out to God. I know you are. As a matter of fact, I believe many of you are crying out to God for your loved ones. Now, you may not remember September 13th's message. That we titled that message, You Haven't Gone Too Far. And if you, have, if you can't remember that message, that's fine. I, but I got a call the following week from a member of our church just to let me know that the DVD that she got, she had seen it to her son and her grandson. She said, I don't know if they've heard that message, but I want them to hear the message. Now listen, she wasn't wanting them to hear me preaching. That ain't what she wanted. They are lost. They were, they were, they're far from God. They're not serving him. And what she wanted them to know was they haven't gone too far that God would not, would not save them if they call out to him. That's what she wanted them to hear. And I know there's many of you praying for others. Maybe we all have relatives and friends that we're praying for and seeking God for. And if that's the case, let me encourage us continue seeking God on their behalf as long as there's life in them as long as there's blood running through their veins we can't give up on them aren't you glad God didn't give up on you I'm certainly glad he never gave up on me and we must have an expectancy we must we must be excited whenever we get the chance to hear the word of God because it's God speaking to us through his word and through his servant. And when we hear the word of God, we ought to be excited about it. But Peter, when we look in this passage, we, we also see not only the expectancy of Cornelius, we see the reaction. We see the reaction of Cornelius. Of Peter, well, we see the reaction of Peter. Cornelius was ready to receive the gospel, and now we see Peter's reaction. As we look here, we find that Cornelius had prepared not only with relatives and friends, but he had also prepared his heart for Peter's arrival. The Bible tells us that as soon as Peter came in, that Cornelius met him. And he fell down at his feet and he worshiped him. Now, Peter's reaction to this was that of humility. He shares with Cornelius that he was just a man as he is. And and he told him to get up. And as Peter walked into Cornelius' home, he saw others. And he stated, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to, to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now it appears that in that very moment, 
Peter began to really understand the vision that he had received from God. And he had began to listen to Cornelius uh, as he filled him in uh, concerning his experience, concerning Cornelius' experience with the angel of God. After Cornelius had finished, Peter seemed convinced that God had orchestrated this event in his life to show that whether Jew or Gentile, God was not a God of partiality. The Bible tells us here in verses 34 and 35, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And I want to remind us that it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who, you, who your parents are or who they're not. It doesn't matter what your background is. God shows no partiality. If he'll save an old wretch like me, he'll save you too. The Bible tells us that Peter begins to share the gospel. In verses 36 through 43, the Bible says, listen at what happens here. He said, the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem who they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through the name, whoever, or through his name, whoever believes in him, will receive the remission of sins. Here the gospel was shared. In other words, what Peter was saying is that God sent his only begotten son whom he loved so dearly to allow him to live and, and show the world that he was God manifested in man. And he lived, he died, and he arose on the third day. He showed himself the witnesses and now he's back with the Father. And whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall I'll be saved. That's exactly what Peter was saying. Can we see this idea of God? We can see, we can see throughout the Bible God's idea of there's no favoritism. As a matter of fact, if you look through the Old Testament, you'll find that among the 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 Jewish nation. But when you get to the New Testament, you find that among all believers who call upon the name of the Lord. We can find in chapter 2, in verses 1 through 9 of the book of James, an illustration that, that we are to treat others of this, of our faith as we treat each other. In other words, what James is telling us, that if someone dressed well with the finest jewelry comes into the church, and if he comes in 
in and a poor man comes in, that rich man or that well-to-do man should not get a better place to sit at the table of God's word than the poor man. James tells us, if you don't believe me, go to chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 9. James points this out. He points out that, that we are to be an example of Jesus Christ. We are not to show partiality. For when we do, we dishonor the poor man and we and no matter what the partiality is, it doesn't matter if it's race, it doesn't matter if it's socioeconomic backgrounds, it doesn't matter if it's education, it doesn't matter how their status is in society. If we show partiality, we've committed sin. Favoritism or partiality or prejudice of any kind has no place in the Christian life. God had it made, God had made it very clear to us throughout the life of Jesus. As Jesus lived here on earth, we could see there was no partiality. There was no favoritism in God. How do we know? Because God's only begotten son was born in a stable. They had no room for him in the inn. They wrapped him up in strips of cloth. They called swaddling clothes. It was just strips of cloth. There wasn't a bassinet to lay the king of kings and the lord of lord ends. Instead, there was a manger. I'm telling you, if you haven't looked up what a manger is, it's no more than a feeding trough for animals. All they done was put hay on top of the mess and they laid the precious Son of God in that manger. And who are we to think we're better than someone else? Oh, Jesus exampled for us that there's no partiality among one another. We're not to show any prejudice toward each other. If we do, all we're going to do is dishonor God. Listen, folks. Matthew 8 and 20, as Jesus is about his earthly ministry, he shares foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't know why we've got it in our minds or why some people, I'm sure here around Fairmont, you don't have it in your minds. But there are people in this world who have it in their minds. Well, if I get saved, everything will be just right. Do we not hear what Jesus says in chapter 8 and verse 20? The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. I want to remind us, folks, that, that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it doesn't erase every problem that we we're going to have what it does it erases every sin that we've committed that we might commit and our future sins in no anyway i want to tell you serving jesus is a joy because he walks with us and he talks with us and he leads us along the way but i want to remind you that as he's walking with us and as he is talking with us he's carrying us over around and through obstacles that we're going to face in this life oh it's careless of me it's careless of me if I've had the audacity to raise my child in a home that's abusive that just because I get saved after she's grown to think that she might not end up in an abusive home you know it rains on the just and the unjust 
And once we come to know Jesus, our Savior, we become just. Our sins have, have been cast away and God's forgiven us. But the impressions that we live, leave here on earth follow us. They follow us. Just because I decided to change my life doesn't dictate the life she's going to have. And what do we do? We continue to pray. And trust that just as God has saved us, that he'll save them. That's what we do. When we look through scripture, we find that in the spreading of the gospel to this lost and dying world, God used the lowliest and the poorest of people to further the gospel. Acts 4 and 13, it tells us now... When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. And they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. That's why there's no partiality. It doesn't matter what degrees you have behind your name. What matters is have you had a talk with Jesus. That's what matters. John Bunyan was a thinker without a formal school, without any formal schooling. Yet God used him to write one of the most influential books that the world has ever known. And you've heard of it if you haven't read it. The Pilgrim's Progress. It was written by an untrained man. Who had met Jesus. Not only that. We can read about William Booth. Who was an apprentice at a pawn shop. Until he began to preach the gospel. And, and later he, he and his wife. They under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They founded this worldwide organization. That we know as the Salvation Army. It doesn't matter what education you have. It doesn't matter what background you come from. What matters is have you had time with Jesus. I don't know how you feel about my. I don't know how you feel. But if my salvation depended on how good I've been, if it depended on me being born in the right family, if it depended on me living in the right community or having the right education, oh, I'm a poor boy from Union Chapel. I come up in a poor home and I come up going to our college. I didn't go off to school. I went to our college. No, I didn't have the fanciest of degrees. I didn't wear the, the fanciest of clothes. I, I, I didn't live in the biggest and fanciest of house. But I have parents who taught me about Jesus. And God blessed in spite of me. I didn't deserve his blessings. I didn't deserve him calling my name. I didn't deserve him taking time out and reminding me that I needed a savior. But he loved me in spite of me. And he loves you. He loves you in spite of who you are or where you're from. God shows no partiality and unsaved. The same way I come to Jesus is the same way you'll come to Jesus. It's the same way everyone else came to Jesus. You will bow down before him and you will acknowledge that you are lost and on your way to a demon's hell. And you'll cry out because you will understand that he is God and besides him there is no other. And he is your only way. We can only get to God through his son Jesus Christ. Romans 3 and 23, it helps us to understand why we all have to come the same way. It's because all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God.
Listen, folks. Because Peter obeyed the Lord, because he shared the gospel without partiality, and the hearts of the listeners were ready to receive the gospel message. Before he could finish speaking, we see in verses 44 and 46, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon them, all who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. In other words, the Jews that were there, they were astonished at how the Holy Spirit had fell upon these men. It says, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. Oh, that's what many call the Gentile Pentecost. This event that takes place in verses 44 through 46. Seeing that these Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit, Peter commanded that they all be baptized in the name of the Lord. And you who are here today, I want to say to you, if you give your heart to Jesus Christ today, if you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you may or you may not speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, I've been devoted to Jesus for over 20 years now. I should say it the correct way, the way all of us should say it. I've been serving him off and on for well over 20 years now. You know, that's the truth. I've been preaching his gospel for over 19 years now. And I've never spoke in tongues. But what God did for me through the power of his Holy Spirit is he took residence within me. And he changed the way I talked. The talk I used to talk, I don't talk no more. And he's still working on me. And if you'll trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will come and take up residence in you immediately. He will do a work in you that only he will complete. And who knows, you may one day speak in tongues. Or you may not speak in tongues. I don't know what he'll do. But what I do know is he'll change your life. And he'll give you eternal life. If you'll trust him. Oh, as we... As we come to a a rapid close. Unsaved, I want you to know he loves you more than you could imagine. He loves you more than I could tell you. I wish I could express to you the love that he has for you. But what I do know (laughs) is that if you leave this world and you open your eyes in a pit of hell, you'll go there trampling all over the love of God. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. You know the difference in me and you? I'm choosing to serve him. I'm choosing to serve him. Just as he called my name, he's calling your name. Whether you admit it or not, he's calling out to you right now. How can I say that? Because you're here today. Well, preacher, I had a duty I needed to to fulfill. That's why I'm here. No, you could have called in. Well, preacher, I... 
I, I'm coming to just make my parents happy. It wouldn't have been the first time they were upset, would you? Well, preacher, I, I've come just because there's nothing to do at the house and I need to get out of the house. Well, you could have just rode around and drove out your gas. But the Holy Spirit brought you here because he's working in your life right now. The question is, while everyone's praying right now, while they're seeking God for you, and for you who are listening on Facebook and YouTube, while they are praying for you right now, the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? As he is calling your name, will you serve him or will you reject him? All you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner. And I know that you are the son of God. You came to this world born of a virgin. And you lived a sinless and perfect life. And on the cross, you took my place. In that you allowed your father to turn his back on you so he wouldn't have to turn his back on me and you gave yourself for me they placed you in a barred tomb but on the third day you rose out victorious under your own power and today you're seated at the right hand of the father and I want you to make intercession for me Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Savior. Oh, if you believe this. Oh, confession is made unto righteousness. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So today, will you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? As they begin to sing this song. What decision are you going to make? If you're making Jesus your Savior, just come and share it with me. Would you?